Thank you for listening to a certain degree. I'm your host and friend, I hope, Nick. You're good to you. Uh, do I have to say my last name? Do you not know? <laughs> oh. This podcast started four and a half years ago. We're at episode 201 now. We, I'm at two, episode 201 now. Me and the guests, I guess. We. This episode 201 originally aired on WPRK on October 19th, 2020. Enjoy it. It's got four great guests. And we went back to the beginning, to back to episode one. You get to hear how it all started. Hopefully not how it ended. Okay. Welcome. You're listening to a certain degree. My name is Nick. I am a person, a person that you will hear on this podcast, but not the only person. That's because this is a weekly radio show on WPRK where I get to talk to people from the Orlando area who are doing something neat. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. It would also be great if you visited toacertaindegree.com because there you can find information on past shows and me. Yes, me, but mainly the guests. Central Florida is home to what seems like an unlimited supply of talented and remarkable people that I get to talk to a few of them every week in person on the radio or through clips of past episodes. Let's just say I'm pretty lucky. Since this is episode 201, I felt like it would be appropriate to revisit episode one, not episode one from Star Wars, of course, from back in May 2016. Let's get into the Wayback Machine for the first ever words spoken on this show with my good friend, Mark Collins. And good morning and welcome to WPRK. This is to a certain degree. I guess not welcome to WPRK. You've been listening to it for some time now. My name is Nick, and I'm here. I'm joined with uh, a very special guest. I'm trying to think of how to describe him properly. Uh, he is effervescent. He is uh, much more handsome than I am, which I uh, resent and respect at the same time. Uh, Mark Collins. Kind of you on, on both uh, on both accounts there. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Good morning, and welcome to WPRK. Oh, you already did that part. Yeah, Sorry, I, I did that. I need to go back to the script. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so we're uh, actually going to talk about a lot of different things today. We've got a lot of wonderful topics, so stay tuned. And if you're not at the uh, radio dial or in front of a radio dial, you can always listen on WPRK.org. And you can check out a little bit of what we're going to talk about and then see what the things that we've done at toacertaindegree.com, which is a website. Oh, so they can't look at the website on their radios? No, they can't. I don't understand exactly how it works. It's all new to me as well. All right, very good. To a certain to to a certain degree. Oh, I, I should have it was actually. The num- oh, okay, yeah, because yeah. there's apparently mm-hmm. a number of different ways to spell that. I guess so. At least three. Yeah, which is ironic since the word is two. Two. Darn it. So we just heard from uh, Genghis. No, I'm sorry, Mike Snow. That was a song named Genghis Khan, and then OK Go before that. Uh, with a song that I can't remember the name of. So I, I could turn around. It's all the way on. Can't behind. help either. Yeah. So one of the reasons I wanted to play that, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, which is great, is you're a very visual guy. You're very much a movie buff. Um, and so a lot of the stuff that I think is lost on me in terms of the visuals uh, is something that you'd pick up on. And I think that's a that's a great fit then because you're very passionate about music and yeah. um, off the, the values of the music are often lost on me when I'm uh, in a very cinematic mindset. And we're both, I think as far as architecture goes, I, I have no idea. No, no, no. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like it's, dancing about it. Right. 
So, Genghis Khan uh, by Mike Snow, which is a band uh, that I don't know where they're from, and I don't know what other songs they've done. They do songs with two eyes when there should only be one. Yeah, Mike. It's inspired by their Mike Snow band name. But what was interesting about it is, just like a lot of songs, you see the video, and then that's what you kind of glom onto. So yeah, yeah. I don't know what the experience was, because we actually were uh, enraptured by the video watching it again here while the song was playing. It's a great story. It really is. It really is. So I, I think one of the things I wanted to talk about today was when you can't separate the song from the video, when it's so intertwined, and we'll talk about a couple of other bands who've done that. I think OK Go is, and that's one of the reasons I want to play one of their songs, is just the poster child for that movement, which is sure, yeah. all about the video. And uh, to an extent, they've gone away from the, the music. To a certain degree. Yeah. Nice. That was good. <laughs> do, you, do you see what I did there? But, but this one, this Mike Snow video, was um it was it was frankly better than Spectre the the most recent James <laughs> Bond movie kind of a low bar but sure yes yeah well yes good point but it had a full story it had a funny story I think it wasn't predictable and what it else? also had a great message yeah absolutely and it was rock solid from an art direction and you know visual thematic yep. standpoint they just nailed the uh, I mean since The Incredibles probably nobody has gotten like art design art art direction as right as they have you know, replicating like the Dr. No era Bond films. Right. You know, even down to like film stock and coloration, you know, it just, it was visually dead on. So do you think they'll ever do a sequel to it because it was just so good? Well, I think they set themselves up for it yep. with that closing moment. But uh, personally, I think the story is told. And it's done. It's done. Yeah. I think they, if they, they, they've shown that they're capable of doing that. So they, it's, let's have a new story. When I think, what this I isn't Hollywood. We're not obligated to. To follow it up and try to make more money with oh, the, please, with the sequel. That's that's a good point. Uh, and just so to describe it to people, it was very much a James Bond esque uh, scene. Right, or super villain yeah. has captured super the, spy in his right. in his secret lair. Is about to kill him, and then it's five o'clock, so everybody has to go home, and the super villain goes home to his family. And seemingly unhappy. And you get, you get these great visual cues, and that's all in the performance. Yeah. That yeah just this really so subtle well. looks between the, the actor playing the wife and the actor playing the, the supervillain husband. Right. You just see that they're, they just, they're not clicking. Well, and I thought was, what really struck me, especially this time through, is the dancing. So there's not a lot of dancing in it, but there's enough dancing that it really helps push the story along. Mm -hmm. So... The supervillain is obviously a peacock at first. Like, he's about to kill him, and there's these flourishes and these little dance moves as he's about to press the button. Right. And then later on, when he releases the spy, he's like, you know what? I, I'm not going to kill you. I just want you to go because this is, and we find out later why. Mm -hmm. uh, they dance together. And so that was their acceptance of each other, mm -hmm. at least the acceptance of the supervillain. Yeah, so yeah. You really like the supervillain in this. Yeah, well, you feel for him yeah. because yeah, at first you just you 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 despise him. You're supposed to. He's he's ugly. He's uh he's he's missing his nose and part of his face, and it's covered with a prosthetic. But then, yeah, when he when you see how unhappy he is, and this you see the self-loathing, and he he sees the the wife and the children. You see that he wants to be happy with them and just can't be, and he resents himself for it. Then you really start the pathos. Then starts to kind of play in. Yeah, and I dig that. Yeah, you start to sympath you, you start pathos? to sympathize with him. I dig pathos. Okay, that is a very very academic expression. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally into all this pathos. 
You're listening to A Certain Degree on WPRK 91.5 FM. I'm Nick Jorgadiu. We're not in the studio doing a live interview as we would normally be from 7 to 9 every Monday. So you're hearing clips from earlier episodes. That was from episode 1 from, wow, 2016, May 2016, the, the before times. This is episode 201 for your reference. Has it got any better? I like to think so. Listening back, the show still features a lot of the segments and bits it started with, and I appreciate people like Mark Collins being the guinea pig for the format. Since appearing on the show, Mark Collins has moved away from the Orlando area, but still has roots here. We miss him. He is the executive producer, creative director, and founder of Odyssey Creative, a video and event production company that does work all over the the earth, all around the earth. The earth is round. Check him out at odysseycreative.com. You're listening to WPRK 91.5 FM. A standard question I like to ask guests is about their experiences coming out of high school. A reason for that is my kids are getting close to graduation, and as someone who took a different track with college, I appreciate hearing about diverse paths that successful people took. Successful people like Zach Prusak. So you went to UCF just like I did for undergrad? I went to UCF for undergrad and grad. And grad, yeah. Yes. So biology for both. Biology for both. And so now you set things on fire. Now I set things on fire. Which I think biology gives you an interesting perspective, I'm sure, on that, because I would imagine a lot of people get into nature conservation and things of that nature. <laughs> no hey, intended. I'm going to actually uh, use that now for a new tagline, yeah, yeah, so yeah. thank you. Things of that nature. Things of the that nature. nature. Conservancy. Stranger things of that nature. Oh, oh. yeah, that would be cool. Hmm. Uh, but I, I would imagine that is, an, that is a background. Is it one you saw yourself doing, or did you just kind of fall into this? You fell in love with fire, basically. Yeah, and that's an interesting question. When I talk, we get students come out to the Disney Wilderness Preserve from Rollins, Valencia, UCF, lots of different places, and they're like me, young and pursuing a certain degree, I wanted to study ants. I thought I'd have a career in entomology because ants inspired me as a kid. My mom told me I would bring bugs home in jars, snakes, frogs, a typical naturalist upbringing. But when I left college, my first job uh, at Wakawa Spring State Park, my boss said, do you want to go out and light things on fire? Sure. And so I think, so what I tell the students that I talk to now is be willing to explore any kind of avenue that comes your way, that your life and career are not straight lines. And there's value and diversity in accepting new opportunities. And I think college, the, I loved going to college because it allowed you to explore that. But I think sometimes you're in college, whether it's parents, whether it's advisors, they may try to keep you on a certain track, mm -hmm. a deadline. You got to graduate. You got to go, go, go. And I think that we should really encourage folks to explore more avenues within or outside of what you wanted to do. Because I didn't, there's no way I thought I'd see myself where I am now back then. I thought I would have this nice, cozy lab job studying ants. I, I would like to see that job description, I'll be honest they with you. They actually exist, but okay. the number of people that have them, you can count on one hand, and the number of people that want them on two hands, and that's the problem. Yeah, I was going to say, so one of the things uh, that happened to me at UCF, and I was thinking I was going to be a journalism major, and this was prior to, you know, the uprise of the internet. Like, who could have thought that there would be all these sites and all these uh, places, these avenues you could go as far as writing and journalism and right. news and things of that nature. So back in 95, 96, 
when I had one of my journalism professors tell me that, you know, you could fill all of the job openings at newspapers with the graduating class from Northwestern. And why wouldn't they want the graduating class from sure. Northwestern? Because that's a, that's a hardcore journalism school up sure. there. Uh, I was like, oh, you know, maybe I should do something else. <laughs> now, luckily for me, uh, I had not gotten that advice before going to WUCF and volunteering in the newsroom there because I thought that, oh, that would help. Let me get an idea of what, you know, radio and broadcast are like. And I was bit by the bug, and I absolutely went and did that. Nice. Uh, and then I graduated with a radio, television, broadcast degree, which is now completely useless since radio and television have are going to cease to exist in a couple more years. I think that's correct. The TV that we grew up on does not exist anymore. No. 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 Hey, uh, Monday night, MASH is on. No, it's different now. No, I don't even have cable. Like, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't find, and I don't miss it at all. Um, so getting back to college, getting back to learning, I think learning is important to you, as you mentioned. So you've done improv classes. You're going to... You want to explore things as far as voice acting goes. You're actually going to take some acting classes. So what is it that drives you to do these things, to continue learning after the fact? Like most people would be, oh, I got a career. Right. I'm going to do this now. I think it's the idea that I can do all of these things if I just try. I mean, there are certain things. Hey, open heart surgery. I might have to study a little bit for that, I, I think. Uh, but what drives me There's is... There's probably some YouTube videos you can watch. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks, man. I'm going to yeah. add that to my list then. Open heart <laughs> yeah. surgery. Put that on your YouTube I uh, think a, I think a lot of it is just this idea. It's what drives me really is collaboration. And all of these things that I want to pursue involve collaboration with other folks to achieve this larger creative goal. Improv, you're making something from nothing with the help of people. Fire, I'm burning things. I'm helping the environment with the help of people. And so all of these endeavors is really fueling my desire to be more collaborative in life. And, you know, who knows? Maybe it's some of it is the cliche of getting older and you realize, you know what? I can still do this stuff. Let's, let's go out and do it. Nice. Well, that's good because I think that you know, one of your points was that you get kind of in this in this very specific track. You think you have to do this. What we're seeing right now on the college side, I'm in admissions. So what we're seeing right now is a lot of people going for degrees that they think will help them get jobs. And right. based on the recession that we just had, they think very linearly in terms of business. Right. And I'm fine with it. You can do whatever you want because I think that ultimately, I did radio, television, you did biology. I guess you could say this stuff that we're doing now is, you know, sort of related to those fields and it helps. Sure. It gives us a lens through which to see the world that is different than maybe people who studied this specific thing. I think that what helps is if you have a talent for something, if you're yeah. good at something and you know you can make a living doing it, then yeah, you should probably help hone those skills. But and by no means should that dissuade you from exploring an interest. And that's the balance. I tell that to my kids as well. There's some things you may be good at and you got to eat. But on the other hand, you've got to explore what drives you. And I think you can do both of those. Well, let me let me put it this way, too, because I think improv is out there as one of those things that makes you uncomfortable. Yes. So do things that specifically yes. make you uncomfortable when there's no risk, no right? Risk. Like you can do an improv. You can do one of the free classes. You can even pay for one of the classes. But if you don't like it or you feel like you're not good at it, doesn't matter. We fear failure and improv teaches you not to fear that. Right. The, and, and it teaches you to, you know, take what's given to you and run with it. And you don't know what will happen. You don't. You know, I think we should also look at professional wrestling as a potential class. No, I'm serious because the first thing they do teach you is how to fall. That's true. 
So that is because true. that is the hardest thing to learn. You you spend your whole life trying not to fall. <laughs> like you you hurt That's a really good point. Falling. That's a really yeah, good yeah, yeah. point. So you should be taught how to fall with breakaway chairs and improv and motion capture yeah. all combined. I like it. You're listening to a certain degree. My name is Nick. I'm your guide through this audio journey of learning. Journing? That's not a word. This is a weekly radio show on WPRK featuring makers, artists, and professionals who are doing something neat. Since we can't be at the WPRK studios, we are featuring some past episodes with clips from past guests like Zach Prusak, who you just heard from. He is the Central Florida Conservation Program Manager and Florida Fire Manager at the Nature Conservancy. A quick update from Zach, since he was originally on back in December of 2016. He and his team are still getting out and conducting controlled burns, even during the pandemic. Socially distancing is pretty easy in the woods, he says, although those deer want to get uncomfortably close. He's also working on converting standard in-person fire training into virtual learning, which is, as you can imagine, important right now. He's also working on a fire podcast, which I'm probably going to help him with. Ha <laughs> I'm Nick. You're listening to WPRK 91.5 FM. Where is college radio? Is it in our hearts? No, of course not. It's radio. It's mostly invisible waves that are passing through all parts of your body at the same time. To a certain degree, therefore, is inside you every Monday from 7 to 9 a.m. on your FM dial at 91.5 or streaming at WPRK. Org. Up next, one of my favorite, favorite local bloggers talks about one of my favorite, favorite things in the world, music. Here's a part of a conversation with Lindsay Thompson, a.k.a. Lemonhearted, from February 2017. Having brothers and sisters who are older than you is very influential in your, your music palette, if you will. Yes, for sure. So how did that go for you? What were they listening to? Or did they have to really just like hold you down and make you listen to it? Or were you like, oh, you guys, I want to be as cool as you. So I'm going <laughs> to listen to the same music. We definitely always had music on growing up. And because like my oldest brother, I don't know, he's like 10, 11, 12 old. I don't know how many years older, but he was definitely listening to his own CDs when I was maybe nine or 10. So I was listening to, I remember him telling me about Dave Matthews because Dave Matthews played in uh, Gainesville where he went to college at UF. And I remember very early on before Dave Matthews was ever on the radio, like hearing mm-hmm. live tracks. My other brother exposed me to Ani DeFranco when I was young, um, Fish, um, gosh, who else? Like just so much stuff that I definitely would have never known about Ben Folds, um, mm-hmm. Ben Folds five. So I definitely credit most of my musical knowledge to them. And then as I got older working in music stores, my dream job was member Virgin Megastore. Remember like the DJ booth, like up yep. top, like that was my dream job. <laughs> so can I tell you I actually worked there? <gasps> no way. Yeah, I did. Um, I was working at WCF at the time. So I sort of knew jazz mm-hmm. and that's really between working there and at a shop called Media Play in Daytona which died it was a um it was a chain from the sam goody Mm -hmm. uh, company and it was music books and movies and it died when best buy and barnes and noble became big uh but that was what exposed me to a lot of music was working at the radio station working at virgin megastore media play Mm -hmm. like i didn't even realize all of the subsets of music that are out there 
And so just a quick plug for WPRK. That's why I appreciate having WPRK around because I get to listen and hear things that I normally wouldn't because the radio, terrestrial radio, typically doesn't play a lot of variety Right. You're never going to be exposed to anything new if you just listen to the radio. So what music stores did you work at? And then... How often did you go to the Virgin Megastore? Because uh, we may have met there. We don't even it's realize It's true. It. We yeah. may have. I, I tried to go as often as I could with it being so far away um, and not you know, necessarily always having the ability to drive there myself. But I feel like I went there pretty decently because that was like the cool place to hang out back in mm-hmm. the day. Um, but I worked at a disc jockey. It's called Pleasure Island. Yeah. In downtown Disney. And you I didn't even to realize, into the clubs. I didn't even realize they, <laughs> they changed the name of it. Yeah. Like people kept Springs. talking about Disney Springs, and I'm like, oh, is that new? Where's yeah, that? Yeah, whatever that means, Springs. But um, I, the West Oaks Mall in Ocoee, mm-hmm. I worked there um, in the disc jockey. That was the name of this of the store. That <laughs> that was my high school job. <laughs> That's is that a real place? I don't think it exists anymore. Okay. Was it like a knockoff chain? There, you know, it may have been. It may have been, mm-hmm. but it was a pretty legit music store. Okay. Um, at the time. And then uh, I worked at a place called CD Warehouse. Yep. I don't think those exist anymore either. Um, But those are my favorite jobs because people would come in and they would just ask for stuff off the radio normally. But every now and then you'd get someone that was kind of open to suggestions and there's nothing more fun than getting to turn someone on. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Like a high fidelity action. So you yeah. were uh, Jack Black. Were I wish it was a bit cooler than that, <laughs> but but I took it. I, I think every person should have a job like that, even if it's just for a little while. So great exposure to music mm-hmm. uh, from a time when you were young. Did you play any instruments or anything? In middle school, I played the bass clarinet <laughs> because it was the cheapest instrument that you could rent from the school. Oh, good. It was $50 for the whole year. So my parents were like, we can, af- we can afford that. Yeah, because no one ever wanted <laughs> nobody. that thing. Um, they would pay you $50. Yeah, they're like, that. take this. And literally the case that they gave it to me in was completely duct taped. The entire case. Oh, good. And I'd be walking home from school and it would pop open and reeds would go flying. Oh, my gosh. Reed, reed related accidents. Yeah, terrible. But no, I mean, I'm not proficient in anything um, musically. So just an appreciation for music yeah, overall. Definitely. So, how does it fit in with you in terms of working, in terms of writing specifically? I definitely am like you. Like, I need that background noise and music is like the perfect background noise to have and um, I am a Pandora person so I can just always like change the station to fit whatever mood if I'm really really trying to write something and I'm I'm having to focus on on what I'm writing I'll normally put on kind of like nonsense music because then I'm not really thinking about the lyrics I'm not trying to listen to anything new right when okay I'm so writing. old music yeah or like just like, I have no shame listening to pop, you know, yeah. I'll put on the instinct station and have myself a good old time because it's just mindless fun. And I need something like happy in the background. Um, but I do think it's it definitely, I think, helps with your creativity in a subconscious way. Mm-hmm. Like it's not making me write better or have better ideas. But I think um, I think it's kind of if you have any type of block it's releasing something that allows you to kind of let go of what the of what's keeping that block and I don't know, like releasing stress from your mind, if that makes right. sense. Yeah, I always feel like it's there's this lizard part of your brain that it takes up so you can be a little more thoughtful and creative and those sorts of things. And that's why you need something that you've heard before that's not new that'll mm-hmm. take up that that part of your brain. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, that's pretty interesting that we're that we're that similar. Do you have a go-to song or playlist or artist when you're just I, I got to finish this up and I'm completely blocked on the angle to take in this mm, writing? That's normally honestly when the pop stations come in handy. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm a big uh, Neil Young fan and Paul Simon. So if I need something really chill, if I'm feeling a little stressed out about not figuring out what I'm going to do with a, a project, mm. I'll try to chill myself out. Like I'm not going to put on EDM and like, you know, start, you know, having a rave in my living room. I, I don't see why not. I feel like the, <laughs> between all the lights, the glow sticks and everything else, I think that would really help. <laughs> you would think maybe I'll have to try it one day. <laughs> all right. Well then I have nothing else on this topic. I just love that you love music. Yeah. How about Bjork? Let's Bjork is good Bjork. for everything. Well, how did you get into how did you get into Bjork? Um, when I was a freshman in high school, I was friends with this girl who I wish I could find. I've searched the internet for her. Her name was Natalie, and we were actually in summer school together. Is this like a sixth sense sort of thing where maybe she was a ghost? She may have That's been. That's why you can't find her. <laughs> it's possible. It's just in your, do you remember Natalie ever interacting with anybody besides you? Yes, she did. She did. So she okay. was real. She was All cool. Right. All right. <laughs> but Maybe, she... wait a minute. Then you're the ghost. Oh boy. Oh crap. Nothing is real. Nothing. <laughs> All right. So continue. Bjork. Uh, she was into Bjork. I had no idea who Bjork was. And she uh, was telling me how awesome Bjork was. And she lent me the post album, my favorite album of my life. And I listened to it. And the very first song, I believe, is Army of Me. And it starts off like really intense, very yeah, industrial. And it, it just hooked me immediately. And then the rest of the album, every song is so different. And that's why Bjork, I think, is so amazing. Like no two Bjork songs sound alike. She's a genius. And she doesn't get enough credit for the beats that she makes and the way she uses instruments. And I could go on and on. But well, that's, and the music videos to, to an extent, yeah, right? Like yeah. there are some really amazing music videos that she has done. Talk about creative and being like no one is like her no one can duplicate her she's not copying anyone she is just completely her which i love but i owe it all to natalie because after that natalie. i was like thanks ghost natalie thanks natalie i hope you're somewhere well i think that's <laughs> interesting <laughs> i'm nick jerga to you you're listening to a certain degree on 91.5 fm if you want unabashedly honest takes on food and food related items in orlando consider following Lindsay Thompson on her site and social media channels. Her AKA is Lemon Hearted. You'll find more local gems there than you can shake a stick at. I'm not challenging you to a stick shaking contest. It's hard to say. Lemonhearted.com or at Lemonhearted. I think I said that already. Hey, I'm Nick. Last up on this special episode is Michelle Kristoff, who is one half of the team at Olive and 2U Studios. She and Carolyn Edgar created the company out of a shared love of fiber crafting, and they host events around the state when events can be hosted. They dye their own yarn, and they're working on opening a knit nook in Celebration, Florida. I know nothing about knitting, crocheting, or dyeing yarn. This is why I love this show. I have strangers on and get to learn about how they got into what they do and what it means to them. What was the process for you in terms of picking it up? Was it, uh, and I'm not saying knitting itself was easy, but 
the learning of it, the going and being able to find somebody to help teach you and guide you through it, was that relatively easy? I was really fortunate that the first knit shop I walked in was super welcoming and were great about teaching me to knit. Um, On a personal level, I found it frustrating because... I like to be able to just jump into something and know how Mm -hmm. to do it and be the expert right away. And knitting is very humbling because you are not the expert right away. And, um, even with like a, what, what would be a simple pattern or something? Oh yeah. It's like with a simple stitch. I mean, just beginning the stitch, your hands are very awkward to start with because Mm -hmm. they're not behaving in ways that they're used to behaving. And so, um, it takes a while to develop that muscle memory so that your hands know what they're doing. So, like our biggest thing that we tell new knitters is just keep knitting. It's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel strange. You're going to feel like you're all thumbs. You don't know what you're doing, but just keep doing it no matter how strange it feels. Um, And I think that here I go waxing philosophical Mm -hmm. again. I think that in our current culture, we like to feel adept at something and we like to feel like we're in control of it, like you were talking about. And knitting, like I said, is very humbling. You don't feel in control at the beginning because you're moving in unnatural ways kind of. And um, so it forces you to, to be uncomfortable for a little while. And we're not used to having to sit with being uncomfortable. If, if, if we're uncomfortable, we tend to like move away from that really quickly. And if you want to learn to knit and people are typically motivated by things that, that will sometimes make them persevere even through the uncomfortableness. So they'll, they'll like, okay, I'm uncomfortable. I'm gonna keep doing it. Um, it kind of forces you to do that. And that's not a good place for people to, you know, it's, it's squirmy. So I was definitely feeling the squirminess, but I just kind of kept with it. But in the long run, it also teaches you patience. It does. And a few other things. I also wanted to talk a little bit about um, sort of the the maker movement in general. So I would put knitting as, as Absolutely. part of that. Because there's an element to it that is in a way rejecting uh, consumerism. Mm-hmm. So why buy the scarf? Why buy the socks? Why buy the hat? If I can learn to make it. And then it's so much more meaningful and like you said, even those imperfections within it tell the story. And, you know, you were motivated to an extent by having a grandson and you wanted to make stuff for him. So was that part of it for you was sort of the, I'd rather do it myself than buy these things? Um, I actually don't think that was part of the initial motivation. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be productive and be able to, pro- well, okay. So I definitely wanted to produce something that came from me for, Liam for the little boy for so, for my step grandson. Um, sentimental. So sentimental value, something that that took effort, took time, and said, "Hey, I made this for you. I made him this really goofy, wonderful orange and green dinosaur blanket that had like you know spikes down the back and the whole thing. It was a lot of fun. So I wanted to make that for him. Mm-hmm. I yeah. So I didn't really want to buy something because you can buy anything, but but what. You know, how hard is it to do that necessarily? So um, that was part of it, I think. But as I've become kind of more intimate with the craft, it's more, it's like you said, it's not, for me, it's not really about, okay, I can make a sweater instead of buying it. It's more about um, doing something with my hands, doing something with, you know, hand-dyed yarn, something that, like you said, actually has more value because it there was effort put into it by an individual that I know, by myself, by, yeah. by Carolyn who dyes the yarn, by those kinds of things. And because it does have much more meaning to it, much more depth, I think. Um, 
gosh, we, we've become so overrun by consumerism. We buy sure. so much. And it's and so easy to get it. It's so easy to get it. Like we were talking about the tiny houses, you know, it's just, and to fill up space with stuff. But what about how, what about filling up space with things of significance that we have those memories and those kinds of things? I think that's really, really important. Plus people make for different reasons. So if I can support another small business mm-hmm. by buying their stitch markers or, um, you know, all the little notions that go along with knitting and stuff, then I want to be able to support that small business as well because they're out there trying to make their way also. And I think that's, you know, part of that community is really important. Um, and I like being part of that community. I'm Nick Jargudiu. You're listening to A Certain Degree. You probably know someone who knits or you may be in the market for some yarn. Check out oliveintou.com. That's olive, the letter N, T-W-O-E-W-E.com to see what Michelle and Carolyn are cooking up. Literally, they have to boil some of the yarn in some cases to dye it. That's it for this episode. Have you had a chance to tell your friends and family about to a certain degree the show on WPRK and or subsequent podcasts that you're listening to right now it's a perfect time to tell them about it here are some adjectives that you can use if you're having writer's block thinking of the perfect post lyrical effervescent frighteningly real a tour de force like your favorite dessert but better velvety sasquatchy Surprisingly pungent for a podcast. The ninja throwing star of college radio. Petunia. Corinthian leather. Thank you so much, so, so, so much to my guests, especially over the years. Mark Collins from episode one back in 2016. Zach Prusak from episode 22, also 2016. Lindsay Thompson from 2017's episode 29. I don't know why I'm saying the numbers of these episodes. Does it really matter? Michelle Kristoff from episode 106. That was August 2018. I threw the month in for you. I have been Nick Jorgudiu. You are listening to WPRK 91.5 FM. Thank you so much.